Today's episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. The Crit Show contains elements of horror, fantasy violence, and adult language. Content warnings can be found in the episode description. Kim, we haven't got to tell you this tale yet. We had dinner with Mark Cuban last night. <laughs> the reaction around the table informs me that I should know who Mark Cuban is. Oh my gosh. That's the reaction I had yeah. when it was brought up at the table that, oh, there's Mark Cuban. And I was like, the sandwich guy? Am I? This? Yeah, all I like to think of was like, like the sandwich. And I was like, I feel like I should know who that is, but I don't. Have you heard of Shark Tank? Yes. He's the Shark Tank guy. Okay, is I mean, he one of the sharks? Yes, he's okay. like he's like the shark of okay. Shark Tank. He's the Simon Cowell of Shark Tank. Okay, like in okay. that he's always there. He's always doing. He's not. He's he's nice or whatever. I think. Does he also own a basketball team or does he just like basketball? I feel like he owns a basketball team. I thought so too, but I I wouldn't recall. be surprised. So, I was confused by the name because then somebody said, "Oh, from Shark Tank," and I was like, "Oh, is he the host of Shark Tank?" But then I realized I was getting him confused with like Mark Summers. <laughs> host of Double Dare? Yeah, the host of Double Dare. And I was like, no. And I, then I was like, yeah. Oh, no. Can't be the same person. He has an off-Broadway show right now about his life. That sounds fantastic. It, it's just what? getting ready to open, yeah. That's wild. Well, so context for everybody. A bunch of NBA stuff is going on downtown Indy. So, like, a bunch of people are downtown, including rich people, celebrities, owners, p- possible owners of t- uh, teams. He's the minority owner of the Dallas Mavericks. Oh, okay. Oh, there nice. we go. Um, so we, we took Megan out for a birthday dinner at this lovely Aww. little spot and, uh, we get, we get going and stuff and I look up and I double take cause a guy had walked in with two friends and is like looking around and I was like, that looks just like Mark Cuban, just like Mark Cuban. <laughs> and we look around and everybody in the restaurant is like staring over as well. And we're like, well, yeah, okay. There he is. That's interesting. At, at one point they were like. Talking about, like, oh, yeah, that's him from Shark Tank, blah, blah, blah. And I looked over and, like, I I have a knowledge of what he looks like. And I looked at Mike. I was like, or it's just someone that, like, looks a lot like him. As soon as that came out of my mouth, someone was taking a picture with him. And Mike goes, I think that's him. <laughs> <laughs> that's usually a good indication. Yeah. And um, he, he definitely was delighted with Megan. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because he's he literally a t- like they're technically two tables away from us, but there were these like small two person tables between us. So I mean, you know, I could have thrown a peanut and easily hit him. Like he was right there. And um, Task can famously so only throw that, a peanut. So you did that and then you blamed it on Megan. No, yeah. no, no, no. Okay, so. <laughs> Everyone's talking around the table like, I think that's him. Yeah, that's him. And, and the, just this like Arab celebrity is like gathering around. And I'm still kind of confused because I'm like, like all old white guys look the same to me. I would never have been able to pick him out of like a lineup. 
But I'm like, he kind of seems important. And then Rev is sitting across the table from me and he kind of leans in and he whispers, wait, is he one of the ones we're supposed to eat? (laughs) (laughs) It was like a slow build (laughs) of laughter where that joke hit me so, so right that I... But I couldn't see. I was laughing so hard and so loud. So the shift of everyone paying attention to the fact that Mark Cuban just sat down shifted to Megan. And Mark Cuban laughing at her laughing. (laughs) It was it was all it was pure joy. It was lovely. Yeah. And the best part was then because I had heard this about him before he got up and he left and I leaned over to somebody. I was like, hey, go check the tip. And as soon as I said that, the waiter went over there and looked down at the table and, like, just stared up at the sky. And, like, people started high-fiving him and hugging. He started to cry. He was also our server as well. And, yeah. And he was just so lovely and just really, really great. So he he was going around and, like, everybody was high-fiving him. Um, and we were, like, I was trying to, like, read his lips and figure out, like, how, yeah. much, how much did he say? Yeah, and the best was that the guy came back to like say goodbye to us, and and Jake said something effective. <laughs> I'm sorry, I only left you twelve dollars. Yeah, Tass is like, like how much was it? How much did he give you? And the guy holds up like three fingers, like three hundred dollars. And I was like, yeah. I'm, so- I'm sorry, our tip was twelve dollars. <laughs> oh, I thought he said three zeros. No, he said three hundred. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Still pretty good. Still, pretty that's good, a great yeah, tip. Well <laughs> done, Mark. Yeah, on on whatever two beers or whatever they had. Yeah. Yeah. What was weird was that we were there a good 20 minutes before him, and somehow he got his food first. Well, huh. I mean, were you tipping $300? Should, we should have verbally promised up front, because <laughs> I always hear that that goes well, that service workers love it when you oh, go, yeah. hey, bring my food fast, and I'll give you a really good tip. <laughs> we should have said, bring our food first, and Mark Cuban will give you $300. <laughs> <laughs> I almost wanted to tell the the waiter when he brought the checks that it's all on our buddy Mark over there. <laughs> so like Mark Cuban will give you three hundred dollars, and if he doesn't, let me know, and I'll go get three hundred dollars from Mark Cuban. <laughs> it then did devolve into us figuring out how to mug Mark. Cuban. <laughs> yeah, Jake was like, "There's there's a non-zero chance he sees that Megan is wearing a birthday hat. Oh, I was also wearing a birthday yeah, hat, like yeah. a party hat. Yeah, he's like, there's." There's a chance that he maybe pays for our meal. And we're like, let's go find him. <laughs> so we did. And we would like to thank new listener Mark Cuban for his <laughs> donation to the our, show. Our, our new benefactor. Our newest at the chosen tier, Mark Cuban. <laughs> Once a year, we're bringing Mark Cuban out and we're playing a game. He's going to make us his famous sandwich. <laughs> he's going to hear this and he's going to sue us into the ground, <laughs> which won't take much. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it won't take very long. It'll take about $300. We're yeah. so sorry. We're so sorry. We loved you on Double Dare. Please don't be mad at us. We'll be like, we'll be like I'm taking you for all you're worth. It's like, it's less than you tipped at the restaurant. So. <laughs> all right. This seems like a good opportunity at the start of this session to review our beliefs, goals, and bonds, and maybe earn some grit here. I'm in. I'm ready. Let's do it. Does anybody feel that they have achieved their goal? I did. I had achieved my goal in the first arc, and then I my second goal was kind of to be determined, and I determined over the course of this adventure that my goal was to uncover the identity of Sharpshot, which I did. Perfect. So you can take a grit for achieving your goal? Yeah, all the good that did me. <laughs> he didn't you even got, like me. You got a grit. I don't know. I would argue 
did you uncover the identity of Sharpshot? <laughs> I was present. Okay, all right, all right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I know. She is now privy to there the go. identity okay. of Sharpshot. Sorry, did I say uncover the identity of Sharpshot? My goal was to get Sharpshot to fall in love with me, so I guess I didn't fulfill that oh, goal. Oh, no grit, negative <laughs> grit. Anybody else feel like they achieved their goal? I made mine too generic. My goal is just expose evil. <laughs> I'd say you did. We exposed evil. You've, yeah, you've exposed some evil. Yeah. I, I'd say yes, and I think it kind of goes in line with mine. We talked at the beginning of this game about how you and I have very similar like ideas and goals, but they're just kind of reflections of each other. Oh, uh-huh. And I would say that I think I have achieved mine in that my belief is not all monsters are monsters, and my goal is to educate the layman. Mm-hmm. But I think that I've achieved that with Jumbo. Oh. We met Jumbo and, you know, he was working for the mayor and he was like, oh, we got a monster like locked up in the church and we convinced him to let us in there like so that we could kill it to keep everyone safe. Like that was a lie, but Mm -hmm. we changed kind of his idea and belief about what this monster was and explained to him who uh, Seth Thales actually was, who Nash was. He's very much gotten on board with the like, well, I want to do what's right. And working with us and Cam, answering questions. I feel very much like his perception of the world and its inhabitants has changed since meeting us. Mm. Yeah, and I did expose Harrison to like the evil of your thoughts creeping in when you are trying to send something to a god. Mm, yeah. I've been sold for a long time. Okay. Here. I still don't have a goal from the last time around. Like nothing really struck me going into what we were doing. Ooh, that's interesting because the rules do say you have one session to write a new goal, but they don't tell me what the penalty is if you haven't in that one session. What if uh, I have something that I want to happen, but it's completely out of my hands. It's not something I can work towards. That probably doesn't count. That doesn't feel like a goal. Yeah, all right. I think you you just don't get to play anymore. All right. I think think your character dies. (laughs) (laughs) I wish you would have told me this when you were teetering over a precipice. One of your humors gets too strong and you have to get more yellow bile. Or... Yeah, yeah. And you get too funny. That's what that means, right? <laughs> uh, yes. My goal is to have a new goal by the next time we play. Boo. Mm. What's what's your belief again? That this world shall not fall to Nash's influence. So what's another actionable thing you could do based on that belief? Like your last one was to destroy a circle. Do you widen the net a little bit like rev was talking about how his was too vague but he i mean he was still a thing to accomplish and he accomplished it in an assortment of ways is it you know less specific than destroy a magic circle but is it similar like expose a truth to a, a particular person or a particular group or a truth about somebody or something like that the thing that comes to mind we've uh we've sure blown right past which is suddenly the realization of that idea of like making sure that anyone that was in on this and can assist with defending and or recreating these circles is dealt with so that they can't. (laughs) We've sure uh, left at least one guy behind that was watching that stuff. Yeah, you'd have to turn the train around. Here's the thing. We do have to turn the train around, though. We've got to get back to the point we got in, and there are mountains in our way right now. That's true. We have to go all the way back around to go home. We've got to pretty much make through all the stuff we've run away from. <laughs> yeah, so I mean you could add like a like a postscript mission on here to go back and deal with Dales. Yeah. So I, I mean I think for the immediate goal, it 
is shifting more towards personnel here, you know, Nash's people. So like work against his monsters, his loyalists, you know, anything that he has set up help to undermine that in this world. Okay. I think I have a new one in mind. Nice. Kind of moving on from exposing the idea that not all monsters are monsters. Now that we're going into like monster territory, I think my new goal is going to be assist any of the quote unquote monsters in Lost Hope that might need it. You know, that aren't necessarily just evil because they live in evil monster town. They might, you know, be being restrained here against their will or utilized by Nash or I don't know, anything. I guess it's just kind of keeping an eye out for anyone being treated unfairly or utilized because of what they are. I think I'm going to have mine be, because the thing that they've discussed with us is that the monsters seem to keep coming. So I want to find out where they're coming from. Like, are they just reproducing or is there something over here that's like letting them out? Are they crawling out of a, a hole in space or what? All right. Uh, gosh, it's funny because I was so wrapped up in Sharpshot, the mystique of Sharpshot, that I didn't even really get to know him. I think my goal is to, like, make a genuine connection with somebody in this world. Okay, fabulous. And then, does anybody feel like they have resolved their bond with another character? I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that almost more than usual, like, very by-the-book on all of our parts, like we stayed in our little, stayed in our lanes is the wrong <laughs> the wrong way to say that. But Stuck you know, to our strengths? Yeah, we stuck to our strengths and we acted as, as advertised, I guess. We were so efficient together, we skipped over the entire mystery. <laughs> we skipped over like a whole maybe boss fight that we just didn't have to do. You certainly did. <laughs> um, all right, so rack up any newly accrued grit. This is also a good opportunity if anybody wants to pay their five grit to do any of the quote-unquote level-up things, um, like buying a new skill, buying a specialist skill, adding plus one to a skill, permanently overcoming character's issue, etc. Now would be a good time. I don't know what kind of grit everybody's got in the bank, though. Has anybody got five grit? Nope. Mm -mm. Not yet. Yeah, I'm going to spend all five of mine right now, actually. Uh, I'm going to go up a weird level. Nice. What's that bring you to? Four. Yay! Join me at four. Very good. Let's return to your journey. The train's chugging along out of the Jackalope Flats towards Lost Hope. The day's getting fairly long. It's getting close to evening as you approach the border. And you can see from a distance that it looks like the trains run through another outpost, like Fort Ghost Hollow. But even from a distance, and especially as you get closer, you can see that there's nobody there. There's no movement. There is no presence as you reach the edge of this outpost town, it's abandoned and it's in terrible shape. You can see buildings that have collapsed slightly. You can see cloth that is just drifting and dangling, bleached by the sun and shredded by the wind. It doesn't seem like this has been manned in quite some time. But the tracks are still navigable and the train is able to pass through this broken outpost and into Lost Hope proper. The landscape out here is bleak, uh, and getting bleaker every minute as the sun goes down. Overall, you are met by similar sights, often the distance either side of the tracks. Occasionally, you see a structure, and you can tell it's a ghost town. It's destroyed. It's dilapidated. You know that Lost Hope has a reputation for not playing host to normal people, for lack of a better word. Out here are the creatures, the beasts, and the monstrous. 
you know it'll be a couple of days again by train to get to the center of the radius uh, about the point that Rev thinks you should begin your search. Does anybody have anything in particular they're doing on this train ride or even just on this like first night? Um, overall, trying to take it easy so that I finish off healing my ribs um, and beyond that, more or less glued to one of the windows, just looking for, you know, anything that might be trying to get ahead of us, following us. I think I've been in my workshop. I, I've been thinking about what Tass had said about using magic to make some sort of rune finder, something that can help us like narrow down where this is going to be, especially since, you know, we know it's going to be really tiny um, and we don't necessarily have all the time in the world to look over every inch of a much bigger circle. So yeah, I'm trying to figure out if there's some way I can engineer something to work in tandem with magic to be able to help us kind of dowsing rod our way to where the rune is. Yeah, I think that I would actually try to join Megan and help with that because the knowledge of the rune and like, oh, hey, this is a rune that would be in the, like the next spell and just the idea of creating some other options for it to, to track. Let's start there then, because that is something actionable that I think you could get moving on right away. So this seems like an excellent opportunity to use the gadgeteer move. So again, when you build a new gadget, describe its function, which you have already more or less done, um, at least what you want it to accomplish. Uh, how do you imagine it does this task? Like what, what exactly is the thing? What is the gadget and how does it operate to help you find these runes? You know those those maze games I used to play as a kid where it's like a little disc and then it's got a maze in it and then a bunch of like little like the little balls, the little metal balls, and then you move it around and they, they swing around. Yeah. It's kind of like that, uh, except it's not exactly a maze. There's just kind of lines in there to help the balls go in certain directions. And as you walk around with it, they all move, not because of the gravity of whatever angle you're holding the disc at, but as you kind of get closer to magical runes. Like It might not know exactly what rune it is, but it's like, hey, there's some source of power being drawn here and they all just kind of like tilt that way almost like a compass okay so it'll pull you to like any individual magical rune yeah all right uh, i think this is feasible i don't think this is going to require much in terms of money or resources because this is simple materials it's just a complex magical task so i think the resources is just the knowledge and abilities your team has as for time how long do we think this would take? I don't know. I mean, if I'm already starting with something similar, like a compass, you know, and having like a bunch of, you know, little metal ball bearings or something, I think makes sense to have in my workshop. I think I have a lot of the resources already. It would mostly just be attuning it, I guess, to the magic. I don't have to spend a lot of time building it. Sure. So then this might be more of a rev question, because I imagine you'd be responsible for the runes and the like creating the link here and stuff how long do you think your part of this would require i imagine that it's either filling the little metal balls with magic or carving like a, a tiny rune on them the tiniest little yeah baby rune. yeah like when they laser print on a on a single uh, piece of rice or whatever yeah. like yeah that's cool so either way probably like the better part of a day at least if it's casting a bunch of different spells on them and kind of trial and error to see what connects to the the magic or carving things to make it attracted to magic okay 
unfortunately, Tass has changed my mind on what materials are needed. You're going to need mm. to find a laser etcher in this world. Perfect. I thought you were going to say you're going to have to find rice. <laughs> or, or we're going to vastly increase the amount of time yeah. this takes. You're going to need a pair of reading glasses, <laughs> and you're going to have to get like way down in there on those. Can I use guys. a charge from the workshop <laughs> to have a laser etcher? Why not? <laughs> Why, yeah, that's something that's probably available. Let's just get another the... automaton that'll do it for us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a different gadgeteer role to build a tiny automaton to etch your rice. <laughs> I just like pour them into Cruz's mouth and he just kind of chews a bit and spits them out and they're, they're carved on. There's like a, <laughs> there's like a blender noise. <laughs> uh, oh, Cruz don't got a mouth though. I think that's one of the few, one oh, of the yeah. few physical things I have certainly established. I'll make him one. You're going to have to put him in a different orifice. <laughs> Cruz doesn't have a butthole either. He's, he's, he's a waist up guy. He's in a pedestal. He's a waist up guy. <laughs> Waste up guy is going to be the name of this episode. <laughs> He's like the creepy barbershop quartet that was in that spooky game. Oh, Megan, yeah. That we play it. Yeah. All waste. It was just like uh, like the torsos of androids on just like microphone stands. Yeah, basically. It was also, um, was it? No, it wasn't David Tennant in the Chris Pratt stuck on a spaceship with Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah, Jennifer Lawrence. Gardens of Passengers. Yeah. Michael Sheen was the Yeah, Michael yeah. Sheen who was the bartender was just a waste up guy. Yeah. <laughs> just a waste up guy. That sounds like a compliment and akin, an insult at the same time. Akin to a real stand up guy. Yeah. You're a real waste up You're guy. You're a real waste, waste up, up guy. guy. And it's like, is that is that good? Is that bad? I don't I don't know. Megan, go ahead and give me uh, an engineering role. Uh plus mind plus engineering. Eleven. Okay. Uh, so the gadget will work more or less as planned. Uh, we'll just need to spend the time here, but you get right to work. Tass, as you are resting and recuperating, uh, I imagine in the sleeper car? Yeah, probably. Okay. Some hours go by, you know, the, the sun sets, it gets dark out. Um, you are keeping watch uh, and you do feel like your body is sufficiently healed. You can remove that penalty. Woo! But I do want you to give me an awareness roll here. Um, just like a use a skill roll with awareness to keep watch. Okay. That's an 11. Nice. You are peering out the window. Hard to make much out in like this dark and dilapidated landscape. There aren't really any sources of light out there as far as you can tell. But you do hear a muffled thump on the top of your train car. Oh, come on. Uh, I'm just going to yell down the corridor. Y'all... Something thumped on the train. I'm going to check it out. It could be Cam. It could be Cam. It could be a lot of things. Can't wait. Here's an idea. Let's all jump off the train. (laughs) (laughs) And then jump back on the train. Oh, that's pretty good. I'm going to try to get eyes first. That's fair. But I like this. And I'll I'll go out, you know, between the cars and... uh, as slow and easy as I can, try to peek and see if there's anything there. Okay, you climb up the ladder between cars and peek over the top, and you see a figure uh, standing on top of the sleeper car that you were just in. It looks like a humanoid figure, fairly lithe. They appear to be wearing like a frock coat that is billowing in the wind, rushing by the train. They've got on like a gambler's hat that they're holding a hand on to make sure it does not blow away. Uh, And they are down on one knee, like looking at the surface of the train car. I 
am gonna watch him for a second if he hasn't spotted me and just see like what is he doing what is he trying to to accomplish here is he spying on us is he hoping to get our attention is he getting ready to you know start shooting through the roof like what what does it look like he's up to why don't you read a situation okay plus mind plus awareness nine do you have any grit and anything you want to invoke i have one grit i think i'm gonna invoke my new goal if i can do that just i'm, I'm trying to gauge if this is somebody that's after us if this is another one of Nash's people that means us harm and like get a vibe on what they're trying to accomplish. Okay, go ahead and spend that grit and that'll bump you up to a 10, which gets you three questions. Okay, uh, what's my enemy's true position? You see that with their free hand, they are running their fingers like kind of gingerly over the surface of the car, like maybe looking for like dents or flaws or joints. It seems like they're trying to like assess the structure of that car, like maybe they're looking for a way through it. Oof, okay. What should I be on the lookout for? It's tough to make out a lot of detail, you know, in the dark and considering how this person is dressed. But for a moment, the moon is unblocked by clouds and you get a little bit of extra light and you see them smile like maybe they found what they're looking for and you see fangs. Cool. <laughs> Who's in control here? Part of me is wondering, is this the only one here? Like, is there any indication of this person doing this joyfully? Do they have a, uh, you know, a, a Nash sticker Badge. on their lapel? <laughs> yeah, like, he, I don't know. He just smiled. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, yeah, you know, I'd want to get in we've too. We've been friends with vampires before. Maybe they're good and they smiled because they couldn't find any weaknesses and they were happy we were safe. They're like, well done. Swoosh. <laughs> you see them pull a pocket watch out of their waistcoat and consult the time, which gives you the impression that they are waiting for a cue and they're not the one giving it. Uh, I'm going to take a shot. <gasps> okay. Remind me, were the pistols themselves blessed? Yes. You fire a shot and it plugs this figure and they are rocked backwards and do like a couple of backward somersaults with the movement of the train before you see a hand come out and get purchase. And they look up at you, and this woman has terror in her eyes as she starts to turn to mist. Inside the train, moments after Tass steps outside to investigate, you hear a shot ring out up above. Kim, what do you want to do? I'm going to exit the parlor car and get on top of the train and try to see where Tass is. Okay, Kim, you climb up at the back of the parlor car. Were you just shooting something? Vampire! Missed! Yes! What? Right, right there! Right, right sort of there! Kim and Tass both, uh, you see this mist filtering through some of the gaps in the plates of the car and making its <gasps> way inside the train. Ah, oh, darn! And I'm gonna no! <laughs> slide back down and get in. Yeah, me too. Rev and Megan, what are you two up to? I mean, Tass said I'm gonna go check it out. And then we hear a gunshot, so I assume we'd probably pretty quickly go investigate how south things went. Yeah. So are you heading towards the front of the train on the inside, or are you also like getting outside from your car and checking out the top? I think I would be going inside. Yeah. <laughs> We're like, fuck that. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds scary. I'm not going to get on top of the train and try to make it to him. It's moving. <laughs> 
That's there's, dangerous. There's a walkway right here. <laughs> it's nice. Okay. You two hustle in the direction of the front of the train and you throw open the door between cars and are looking down the barrel of a shotgun. Whoa! The figure behind the shotgun is a big guy with big mutton chops, sort of hefty. He's wearing uh, like a black open crown hat and uh, like a like a capelet almost, like an Inverness cape that the shotgun is just kind of emerging from the opening in. And he says, now where are y'all going in such a hurry? As soon as we come through the door and, and see this, my hands are just kind of up and taking a half step back towards Rev. Oh, we were just passing through on our train. Who, 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 who are you? That's not much important. I don't reckon y'all need to know our names. You just settle back in. Don't make any trouble. This will be over sooner than later and we'll be on our way. What are you here for? We don't really have much. We've got, there's some fancy booze in the parlor. That's it. He tips his hat with his empty hand and says, much obliged for the tip. I'll relieve you of that too while we're here. Yeah, I think also just hands in the air a bit and like starting to to get on the ground. And when I place my hands on the ground, I want to try to channel some magic through the ground at him. Okay, well, this is a creature of your own size. So that will be weird level three. Okay. Eleven. All right. How does this manifest? I've been working with runes a bunch the last couple of days. And I've been using a lot of force magic, so I just imagine a rune inscribing underneath him and just blasting him up into the ceiling. <laughs> okay. <laughs> kind of like the like <laughs> when people would sit on an airbag. Yes. Yeah. Perfect. That's exactly what I was envisioning. <laughs> this guy just rockets up into the roof of this train car uh, and comes back down hard on his belly. The shotgun discharges and punches a hole through the side of the workshop car. <gasps> Sorry. <laughs> Tass and Kim, you both come back down from the surface of the train and open the doors to your respective compartments. Kim in the parlor, Jumbo has stood up and is like looking out a window. He looks at you as you enter. What in the world's going on out there? Vampire, vampire trying to board the train. Oh, hell. Tass, as you open the door to the sleeper car, you see that mist coalescing into a form uh, that appears to just be laid out on the ground, clutching a wound. I'm going to approach with both of my guns leveled down at her. Tell me how many people are coming. You might survive this. Tass, why don't you roll influence? Because you are trying to get them to do what you want by, in this case, I would say intimidating. Okay. So that is plus soul plus intimidate. And as a reminder, you can alternatively use your fame or infamy in place of your soul plus skill, if fictionally appropriate, but I feel like this would be. Okay. I'm going to do that. Do I have to spend anything to do that? Nope. Okay. Thank God. Thank God. Uh, using that, that puts me at a seven. She winces and she says, how many of you on this train? I tell you, you, you answer me. Sure. Five, nine, if you count the horses. Well, not counting the horses. I reckon this will be a mighty even fight. And behind her, the door to that car opens and you see... Two figures standing there. They look like twins, somewhat young, maybe around 1920-ish. They both have kind of long, greasy hair, bird-like features. They're very spindly, and each has a menacing-looking knife in hand. Well, the knives plus uh, her giving you up by saying it'll be an even fight means 
Uh, I don't think we're going to have much of a conversation here, folks. And I'm going to start shooting. All right. Give me a shoot roll. Okay. 12. Which one do you pop? The one on the left or the one on the right? One on the left. feels more natural like I'm reading. I'm just going <laughs> to... <laughs> just go right in, in natural order here. Okay. You hit the one on the left and you see that like sinister grin on their face. Again, just turn suddenly to shock and terror at the impact, no pun intended, that this gunshot has had on them. And uh, a hand comes up to the wound very quickly and the other twin looks at the wound and looks at their sibling's face and the woman on the ground yells, Fitchburg, run! And the one that is not yet injured, like, again, looks at you with wide eyes in a panic while the one that you shot tumbles backwards just clean through the door into the parlor car. Uh, I, I mean, I yell after them. Yes, run, go, please, I implore you. You see the one still standing turn into a bat and fly back out of the train car. Good choice. Kim, in the parlor car with Jumbo, you hear another gunshot and a figure falls backwards through the door at the front of the car. What is happening? More of them. Yeah, but why? Nothing good. Uh, is that figure, like, alive? Yes, they look like they're in a tremendous amount of pain, uh, but they are alive. They start scooting backwards away from where they fell, and then you see, like, their chin tilt all the way up so that they're looking back at you upside down, and then they start scooting back towards the gap between cars instead. Wait, 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 no, no, hold on, come back here. Uh, I want to try to get a hand on them and see a vision of, like, their past. What are they doing here? Okay, you rush forward and put a hand on this person. Uh, the closest thing to you is the top of their head. You just feel their greasy hair uh, on your palm. How specific do you want these visions to be? Do you want them to be short but vague? Do you want them to be short but detailed? Uh, short but detailed. Short but detailed is max level. That's level seven. Oh, sorry. No, I meant... uh. So, no, I just want short but not big. Okay. Uh, then we're going to go weird at level five. Sounds good. Eleven. You see a first-person perspective through their eyes. You're looking at a woman who seems to be giving orders. She is wearing uh, a smart herringbone waistcoat and a gray cattleman hat. You can see that she has twin revolvers and holsters on her hips that she is resting her hands on, except for when she's pointing at the individual she's talking to. She says, Adolin, you make your way in the sleeper car. Get anybody caught unawares. Red, start off closer to the back. Make your way forward. Clinton Fitchburg, you breach near the middle. I'll come in from the front. One way or another, we'll pinch this son of a bitch. And your vision fades as you look again towards the front of the car, towards Tass, and see this woman slowly opening the door from the dining car behind him.
The Crit Show is a Crit Show Studios production, edited and produced by Brandon Wentz with music by Jake Purley. You can find more information about us at thecritshowpodcast.com. To keep up to date with upcoming live shows, contests, and other special events, follow us at The Crit Show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For even more weekly content, join us at patreon.com slash thecritshow. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. Sure I can't get you a drink? Uh, I, um... They'd had a moment, hadn't they? That afternoon when Garrett had smiled just like this, warm-eyed and amused in a way that made Tony want another cigarette, but also want to step forward and... Hey, Kate, what are you writing? Ah! New text post on Thursday, May 21st. Title. Why you should be watching Selkirk. So, Selkirk fandom. Who wants to read my 5,000 word essay, Garrett, last name, Secret Werewolf? I'm Kate, by the way. They kissed? I think I lucked out when I found Selkirk. Because if I'd loved something else, I would have made friends, and I would have been able to read a ton of great stories. But this way, I met you. Me and Day You, a new story about love and fandom from the Procyon Podcast Network.